Chapter Seventeen of Elsie Venner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Elsie Venner by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Chapter Seventeen. Old Sophie calls on the Reverend Doctor. The two meeting-houses, which faced each other like a pair of fighting cocks, had not flapped their wings or crowed at each other for a considerable time. The Reverend Mr. Fairweather had been dyspeptic and low-spirited of late, and was too languid for controversy. The Reverend Dr. Honeywood had been very busy with his benevolent associations, and had discoursed chiefly on practical matters to the neglect of special doctrinal subjects. His senior deacon ventured to say to him that some of the people required to be reminded of the great fundamental doctrine of the worthlessness of all human efforts and motives. Some of them were altogether too much pleased with the success of the temperance society and the association for the relief of the poor. There was a pestilent heresy about concerning the satisfaction to be derived from a good conscience, as if anybody ever did anything which was not to be hated, loathed, despised, and condemned. The old minister listened gravely, with an inward smile, and told his deacon that he would attend to his suggestion. After the deacon had gone, he tumbled over his manuscripts, until at length he came upon his first-rate old sermon on human nature. He had read a great deal of hard theology, and had at last reached that curious state which is so common in good ministers, that, namely, in which they contrive to switch off their logical faculties on the narrow side-track of their technical dogmas, while the great freight-train of their substantial human qualities keeps in the main highway of common sense, in which kindly souls are always found by all who approach them by their human side. The doctor read his sermon with a pleasant paternal interest. It was well argued from his premises. Here and there he dashed his pen through a harsh expression. Now and then he added an explanation or qualified a broad statement but his mind was on the logical side-track, and he followed the chain of reasoning without fairly perceiving where it would lead him, if he carried it into real life. He was just touching up the final proposition when his granddaughter, Letty, once before referred to, came into the room with her smiling face and lively movement. Miss Letty, or Letitia Forrester, was a city-bred girl of some fifteen or sixteen years old, who was passing the summer with her grandfather for the sake of country air and quiet. It was a sensible arrangement for having the promise of figuring as a belle by and by, and being a little given to dancing, and having a voice which drew a pretty dense circle around the piano when she sat down to play and sing, it was hard to keep her from being carried into society before her time by the mere force of mutual attraction. Fortunately, she had some quiet as well as some social tastes, 
and was willing enough to pass two or three of the summer months in the country where she was much better bestowed than she would have been at one of those watering places where so many half-formed girls get prematurely hardened in the vice of self-consciousness miss letty was altogether too wholesome hardy and high-strung a young girl to be a model according to the flat-chested and cachectic pattern which is the classical type of certain excellent young females often the subjects of biographical memoirs but the old minister was proud of his granddaughter for all that she was so full of life so graceful so generous so vivacious so ready always to do all she could for him and for everybody so perfectly frank in her avowed delight in the pleasures which this miserable world offered her in the shape of natural beauty of poetry of music of companionship of books of cheerful cooperation in the tasks of those about her that the reverend doctor could not find it in his heart to condemn her because she was deficient in those particular graces and that signal otherworldliness he had sometimes noticed in feeble young persons suffering from various chronic diseases which impaired their vivacity and removed them from the range of temptation when letty therefore came bounding into the old minister's study he glanced up from his manuscript and as his eye fell upon her it flashed across him that there was nothing so very monstrous and unnatural about the specimen of congenital perversion he was looking at with his features opening into their pleasantest sunshine technically according to the fifth proposition of the sermon on human nature very bad no doubt practically according to the fact before him a very pretty piece of the creator's handiwork body and soul was it not a conceivable thing that the divine grace might show itself in different forms in a fresh young girl like letitia and that poor thing he had visited yesterday half grown half colored in bed for the last year with hip disease was it to be supposed that this healthy young girl with life throbbing all over her could without a miracle be good according to the invalid pattern and formula and yet there were mysteries in human nature which pointed to some tremendous perversion of its tendencies to some profound radical vice of moral constitution native or transmitted as you will have it but positive at any rate as the leprosy breaking out in the blood of races guard them ever so carefully did he not know the case of a young lady in rockland daughter of one of the first families in the place a very beautiful and noble creature to look at for whose bringing up nothing had been spared a girl who had had governesses to teach her at the house who had been indulged almost too kindly a girl whose father had given himself up to her he being himself a pure and high-souled man and yet this girl was accused in whispers of having been on the very verge of committing a fatal crime she was an object of fear to all who knew the dark hints which had been let fall about her and there were some that believed why what was this but an instance of the total obliquity and degeneration of the moral principle 
and to what could it be owing but to an innate organic tendency busy grandpapa said letty and without waiting for an answer kissed his cheek with a pair of lips made on purpose for that little function fine but richly turned out the corners tucked in with a finish of pretty dimples the rosebud lips of girlhood's june the old gentleman looked at his granddaughter nature swelled up from his heart in a wave that sent a glow to his cheek and a sparkle to his eye but it is very hard to be interrupted just as we are winding up a string of propositions with the grand conclusion which is the statement in brief of all that has gone before our own starting point into which we have been trying to back our reader or listener as one backs a horse into the shafts video meliora provoque i see the better and approve it dilatoria sequor i follow after the worst tis that natural dislike to what is good pure holy and true that inrooted selfishness totally insensible to the claims of here the worthy man was interrupted by miss letty do come if you can grandpapa said the young girl here is a poor old black woman wants to see you so much the good minister was as kind-hearted as if he had never groped in the dirt and ashes of those cruel old abstractions which have killed out so much of the world's life and happiness with the heart man believeth unto righteousness a man's love is the measure of his fitness for good or bad company here or elsewhere men are tattooed with their special beliefs like so many south sea islanders but a real human heart with divine love in it beats with the same glow under all the patterns of all earth's thousand tribes the doctor sighed and folded the sermon and laid the quarto cruden on it he rose from his desk and looking once more at the young girl's face forgot his logical conclusions and said to himself that she was a little angel which was in violent contradiction to the leading doctrine of his sermon on human nature and so he followed her out of the study into the wide entry of the old-fashioned country house an old black woman sat on the plain oaken settle which humble visitors waiting to see the minister were wont to occupy she was old but how old it would be very hard to guess she might be seventy she might be ninety one could not swear she was not a hundred black women remain at a stationary age to the eyes of white people at least for thirty years they do not appear to change during this period any more than so many trenton trilobites bent up wrinkled yellow-eyed with long upper lip projecting jaws retreating chin still meek features long arms large flat hands with uncolored palms and slightly webbed fingers it was impossible not to see in this old creature a hint of the gradations by which life climbs up through the lower natures to the highest human developments we cannot tell such old women's ages because we do not understand the physiognomy of a race so unlike our own no doubt they see a great deal in each other's faces that we cannot changes of color and expression as real as our own blushes and sudden betrayals of feeling 
just as these two canaries know what their single notes and short sentences and full song with this or that variation mean although it is a mystery to us unplumed mortals this particular old black woman was a striking specimen of her class old as she looked her eye was bright and knowing she wore a red and yellow turban which set off her complexion well and hoops of gold in her ears and beads of gold about her neck and an old funeral ring upon her finger she had that touching stillness about her which belongs to animals that wait to be spoken to and then look up with a kind of sad humility why sophie said the good minister is this you she looked up with the still expression on her face it's old sophie she said why said the doctor i did not believe you could walk so far as this to save the union bring sophie a glass of wine letty wine's good for old folks like sophie and me after walking a good way or preaching a good while the young girl stepped into the back parlor where she found the great pewter flagon in which the wine that was left after each communion service was brought to the minister's house with much toil she managed to tip it so as to get a couple of glasses filled the minister tasted his and made old sophie finish hers i want to see you and talk with you all alone she said presently the minister got up and led the way towards his study to be sure he said he had only waited for her to rest a moment before he asked her into the library the young girl took her gently by the arm and helped her feeble steps along the passage when they reached the study she smoothed the cushion of a rocking-chair and made the old woman sit down in it then she tripped lightly away and left her alone with the minister old sophie was a member of the rev dr honeywood's church she had been put through the necessary confessions in a tolerably satisfactory manner to be sure as her grandfather had been a cannibal chief according to the common story and at any rate a terrible wild savage and as her mother retained to the last some of the prejudices of her early education there was a heathen flavor in her christianity which had often scandalized the elder of the minister's two deacons but the good minister had smoothed matters over had explained that allowances were to be made for those who had been long sitting without the gate of zion that no doubt a part of the curse which descended to the children of ham consisted in having the understanding darkened as well as the skin and so had brought his suspicious senior deacon to tolerate old sophie as one of the communion of fellow-sinners poor things how little we know the simple notions with which these rudiments of souls are nourished by the divine goodness did not mrs professor come home this very blessed morning with a story of one of her old black women and how do you feel to-day mrs robinson oh my dear i have this singing in my head all the time what doctors call tinnitus arium she's got a cold in the head said old mrs rider oh no my dear whatever i'm thinking about it's all this singing this music when i'm thinking of the dear redeemer it all turns into this singing and music when the clerk came to see me i asked him if he couldn't cure me and he said no 
it was the holy spirit in me singing to me and all the time i hear this beautiful music and it's the holy spirit a singin to me the good man waited for sophie to speak but she did not open her lips as yet i hope you are not troubled in mind or body he said to her at length finding she did not speak the poor old woman took out a white handkerchief and lifted it to her black face she could not say a word for her tears and sobs the minister would have consoled her he was used to tears and could in most cases withstand their contagion manfully but something choked his voice suddenly and when he called upon it he got no answer but a tremulous movement of the muscles which was worse than silence at last she spoke oh no 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 it's my poor girl my darling my beauty my baby that's grown up to be a woman she will come to a bad end she will do something that will make them kill her or shut her up all her life or doctor doctor save her pray for her it ain't her fault it ain't her fault if they knew all that i know they wouldn't blame that poor child i must tell you doctor if i should die perhaps nobody else would tell you massa venner can't talk about it dr kittredge won't talk about it nobody but old sophie to tell you doctor and old sophie can't die without telling you the kind minister soothed the poor old soul with those gentle quieting tones which had carried peace and comfort to so many chambers of sickness and sorrow to so many hearts overburdened by the trials laid upon them old sophie became quiet in a few minutes and proceeded to tell her story she told it in the low half-whisper which is the natural voice of lips oppressed with grief and fears with quick glances around the apartment from time to time as if she dreaded lest the dim portraits on the walls and the dark folios on the shelves might overhear her words it was not one of those conversations which a third person can report minutely unless by that miracle of clairvoyance known to the readers of stories made out of authors brains yet its main character can be imparted in a much briefer space than the old black woman took to give all its details she went far back to the time when dudley venner was born she being then a middle-aged woman the heir and hope of a family which had been narrowing down as if doomed to extinction he had been surrounded with every care and trained by the best education he could have in new england he had left college and was studying the profession which gentlemen of leisure most affect when he fell in love with a young girl left in the world almost alone as he was the old woman told the story of his young love and his joyous bridal with a tenderness which had something more even than her family sympathies to account for it had she not hanging over her bed a paper cutting of a profile jet black but not blacker than the face it represented of one who would have been her own husband in the small years of this century if the vessel in which he went to sea like jamie in the ballad had not sailed away and never come back to land had she not her bits of furniture stowed away which had been got ready for her own wedding two rocking-chairs one worn with long use one kept for him so long 
that it had grown a superstition with her never to sit in it and might he not come back yet after all had she not her chest of linen ready for her humble housekeeping with store of serviceable huckaback and piles of neatly folded kerchiefs wherefrom this one that showed so white against her black face was taken for that she knew her eyes would betray her in the presence all the first part of the story the old woman told tenderly and yet dwelling upon every incident with a loving pleasure how happy this young couple had been what plans and projects of improvement they had formed how they lived in each other always together so young and fresh and beautiful as she remembered them in that one early summer when they walked arm in arm through the wilderness of roses that ran riot in the garden she told of this as loath to leave it and come to the woe that lay beneath she told the whole story shall i repeat it not now if in the course of relating the incidents i have undertaken to report it tells itself perhaps this will be better than to run the risk of producing a painful impression on some of those susceptible readers whom it would be ill-advised to disturb or excite when they rather require to be amused and soothed in our pictures of life we must show the flowering out of terrible growths which have their roots deep deep underground just how far we shall lay bare the unseemly roots themselves is a matter of discretion and taste and which none of us are infallible the old woman told the whole story of elsie of her birth of her peculiarities of person and disposition of the passionate fears and hopes with which her father had watched the course of her development she recounted all her strange ways from the hour when she first tried to crawl across the carpet and her father's look as she worked her way towards him with the memory of juliet's nurse she told the story of her teething and how the woman to whose breast she had clung dying suddenly about that time they had to struggle hard with the child before she would learn the accomplishment of feeding with a spoon and so of her fierce plays and fiercer disputes with that boy who had been her companion and the whole scene of the quarrel when she struck him with those sharp white teeth frightening her old sophie almost to death for as she said the boy would have died if it hadn't been for the old doctor's galloping over as fast as he could gallop and burning the places right out of his arm then came the story of that other incident sufficiently alluded to already which had produced such an ecstasy of fright and left such a nightmare of apprehension in the household and so the old woman came down to this present time that boy she never loved nor trusted was grown to a dark dangerous-looking man and he was under their roof he wanted to marry our poor elsie and elsie hated him and sometimes she would look at him over her shoulder just as she used to look at that woman she hated and she old sophie couldn't sleep for thinking she should hear a scream from the white chamber some night and find him in spasms such as that woman came so near dying with and then there was something about elsie she did not know what to make of she would sit and hang her head sometimes and look as if she were dreaming 
and she brought home books they said a young gentleman at the great school lent her and once she heard her whisper in her sleep and she talked as young girls do to themselves when they're thinking about somebody they have a liking for and think nobody knows it she finished her long story at last the minister had listened to it in perfect silence he sat still even when she had done speaking still and lost in thought it was a very awkward matter for him to have a hand in old sophy was his parishioner but the venners had a pew in the reverend mr fairweather's meeting-house it would seem that he mr fairweather was the natural adviser of the parties most interested had he sense and spirit enough to deal with such people was there enough capital of humanity in his somewhat limited nature to furnish sympathy and unshrinking service for his friends in an emergency or was he too busy with his own attacks of spiritual neuralgia and too much occupied with taking account of stock of his own thin-blooded offences to forget himself and his personal interests on the small scale and the large and run a risk of his life if need were at any rate give himself up without reserve to the dangerous task of guiding and counselling these distressed and imperilled fellow-creatures the good minister thought the best thing to do would be to call and talk over some of these matters with brother fairweather for so he could call him at times especially if his senior deacon were not within earshot having settled this point he comforted sophy with a few words of counsel and a promise of coming to see her very soon he then called his man to put the old white horse into the chaise and drive sophy back to the mansion-house when the doctor sat down to his sermon again it looked very differently from the way it had looked at the moment he left it when he came to think of it he did not feel quite so sure practically about that matter of the utter natural selfishness of everybody there was letty now seemed to take a very unselfish interest in that old black woman and indeed in poor people generally perhaps it would not be too much to say that she was always thinking of other people he thought he had seen other young persons naturally unselfish thoughtful of others it seemed to be a family trait in some he had known but most of all he was exercised about this poor girl whose story sophy had been telling if what the old woman believed was true and it had too much semblance of probability what became of his theory of ingrained moral obliquity applied to such a case if by the visitation of god a person receives any injury which impairs the intellect or the moral perceptions is it not monstrous to judge such a person by our common working standards of right and wrong certainly everybody will answer in cases where there is a palpable organic change brought about as when a blow on the head produces insanity fools how long will it be before we shall learn that for every wound which betrays itself to the sight by a scar there are a thousand unseen mutilations that cripple each of them some one or more of our highest faculties if what sophy told and believed was the real truth what prayers could be agonizing enough what tenderness could be deep enough for this poor lost 
blighted hapless blameless child of misfortune struck by such a doom as perhaps no living creature in all the sisterhood of humanity shared with her the minister thought these matters over until his mind was bewildered with doubts and tossed to and fro on that stormy deep of thought heaving for ever beneath the conflict of windy dogmas he laid by his old sermon he put back a pile of old commentators with their eyes and mouths and hearts full of the dust of the schools then he opened the book of genesis at the eighteenth chapter and read that remarkable argument of abraham's with his maker in which he boldly appeals to first principles he took as his text shall not the judge of all the earth do right and began to write his sermon afterwards so famous on the obligations of an infinite creator to a finite creature it astonished the good people who had been accustomed so long to repeat mechanically their oriental hyperboles of self-abasement to hear their worthy minister maintaining that the dignified attitude of the old patriarch insisting on what was reasonable and fair with reference to his fellow-creatures was really much more respectful to his maker and a good deal manlier and more to his credit than if he had yielded the whole matter and pretended that men had not rights as well as duties the same logic which had carried him to certain conclusions with reference to human nature this same irresistible logic carried him straight on from his text until he arrived at those other results which not only astonished his people as was said but surprised himself he went so far in defence of the rights of man that he put his foot into several heresies for which men had been burned so often it was time if ever it could be to acknowledge the demonstration of the argumentum ad ignum he did not believe in the responsibility of idiots he did not believe a new-born infant was morally answerable for other people's acts he thought a man with a crooked spine would never be called to account for not walking erect he thought if the crook was in his brain instead of his back he could not fairly be blamed for any consequence of this natural defect whatever lawyers or divines might call it he argued that if a person inherited a perfect mind body and disposition and had perfect teaching from infancy that person could do nothing more than keep the moral law perfectly but supposing that the creator allows a person to be born with an hereditary or engrafted organic tendency and then puts this person into the hands of teachers incompetent or positively bad is not what is called sin or transgression of the law necessarily involved in the premises is not a creator bound to guard his children against the ruin which inherited ignorance might entail on them would it be fair for a parent to put into a child's hands the title deeds to all its future possessions and a bunch of matches and are not men children nay babes in the eye of omniscience the minister grew bold in his questions had he not as good right to ask questions as abraham this was the dangerous vein of speculation in which the rev dr honeywood found himself involved as a consequence of the suggestions forced upon him 
by old sophie's communication the truth was the good man had got so humanized by mixing up with other people in various benevolent schemes that the very moment he could escape from his old scholastic abstractions he took the side of humanity instinctively just as the father of the faithful did all honor be to the noble old patriarch for insisting on the worth of an honest man and making the best terms he could for a very ill-conditioned metropolis which might possibly however have contained ten righteous people for whose sake it should be spared the consequence of all this was that he was in a singular and seemingly self-contradictory state of mind when he took his hat and cane and went forth to call on his heretical brother the old minister took it for granted that the reverend mr fairweather knew the private history of his parishioner's family he did not reflect that there are griefs men never put into words that there are fears which must not be spoken intimate matters of consciousness which must be carried as bullets which have been driven deep into the living tissues are sometimes carried for a whole lifetime insisted griefs if we may borrow the chirurgeon's term never to be reached never to be seen never to be thrown out but to go into the dust with the frame that bore them about with it during long years of anguish known only to the sufferer and his maker dudley venner had talked with his minister about this child of his but he had talked cautiously feeling his way for sympathy looking out for those indications of tact and judgment which would warrant him in some partial communication at least of the origin of his doubts and fears and never finding them there was something about the reverend mr fairweather which repressed all attempts at confidential intercourse what this something was dudley venner could hardly say but he felt it distinctly and it sealed his lips he never got beyond certain generalities connected with education and religious instruction the minister could not help discovering however that there were difficulties connected with this girl's management and he heard enough outside of the family to convince him that she had manifested tendencies from an early age at variance with the theoretical opinions he was in the habit of preaching and in a dim way of holding for truth as to the natural dispositions of the human being about this terrible fact of congenital obliquity his new beliefs began to cluster as a centre and to take form as a crystal around its nucleus still he might perhaps have struggled against them had it not been for the little roman catholic chapel he passed every sunday on his way to the meeting-house such a crowd of worshippers swarming into the pews like bees filling all the aisles running over at the door like berries heaped too full in the measure some kneeling on the steps some standing on the sidewalk hats off heads down lips moving some looking on devoutly from the other side of the street oh could he have followed his own bridget made of all work into the heart of that steaming throng and bowed his head while the priests intoned their latin prayers could he have snuffed up the cloud of frankincense and felt that he was in the great ark which holds the better half of the christian world while all around it 
are wretched creatures some struggling against the waves in leaky boats and some on ill-connected rafts and some with their heads just above water thinking to ride out the flood which is to sweep the earth clean of sinners upon their own private individual life-preservers such was the present state of mind of the reverend chauncey fairweather when his clerical brother called upon him to talk over the questions to which old sophie had called his attention End of chapter seventeen biological oh i mean biographical 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 never groped in the dirt and ashes never groped in the dirt and ashes never groped in the dirt and ashes